Good oral health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable, and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body, and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more, and we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey, and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are, because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy. Because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about sleep disordered breathing. Sleep disordered breathing is a general term for breathing difficulties during sleep. Sleep disordered breathing is when sleep is interrupted, sometimes several times during the night, and you're always in fight or flight. So your body doesn't get the rest that it needs. And sometimes these symptoms can range from getting up in the middle of the night to pee, bedwetting, teeth grinding, frequent loud snoring, to obstructive sleep apnea, which is a condition where part or all of the airway is blocked repeatedly during the night, usually by your tongue, but it causes a disruption in sleep. And our bodies are amazing at compensating and waking us up. And so it creates different ways to wake us up to help unblock our airway and let us know that we're not breathing. And so that's why we're not getting enough sleep. And then your body is never in rest and digest because you don't get into that good REM sleep and you're being woken up. And sometimes you don't even know that you're being woken up because it's so subtle. So sleep disordered breathing is common and it's a growing problem that's affecting the health of our children. Studies show that close to 20% of all children snore and grind their teeth at night due to an airway issue. And again, it's something that's going unnoticed. If your kids are waking up and their bed is a mess, their sheets are on the floor, their pillows on the floor, that's a good sign that they have some disruption in the middle of the night and they're tossing and turning because their bodies are waking them up. So potential symptoms and consequences of untreated pediatric sleep disordered breathing might include snoring. Again, this is the most obvious symptom that we see, especially loud snoring at night. Snoring can be interrupted by a complete blockage of breathing where breathing stops or where people are gasping or they snort and that wakes them up. Loud snoring can be a significant problem, not only for the person snoring, but for other siblings sharing the room or someone else, or if they're having a sleepover or they're at summer camp. And a lot of times it's kind of embarrassing for kids to do sleepovers because things are happening at night that they have no control over. It's important to note that while nocturnal bruxism can be a symptom of sleep disorder breathing, not all kids that grind their teeth have a sleep disorder breathing problem. But if your child does grind their teeth, is a mouth breather, it would be a good idea to investigate their tonsils and adenoids or even see an ENT because that's an indication that they might need intervention. So mouth breathing also leads to restless nights, waking up, dry mouth, dark circles, wetting the bed. Mouth breathing is something that is definitely something that you want to look. You can take a video of your child while they're sleeping and kind of see what's happening. Are they waking up? Are they tossing and turning? So I would recommend just even watching your kids at night and see if they're breathing with their mouth open, because if they are, chances are they're not getting a good night's sleep. And a lot of these kids are cranky and irritable. And we'll talk about that um, a little bit later, but think about how you feel when you're sleep deprived and kids don't know that they're sleep deprived. 
So they can't really tell you, but they act out in different ways. So abnormal tongue posture and swallowing is going to be another sign or symptoms. And these patients chronically breathe through their mouth and their tongue is low and in a forward position. So you might see that your child has a forward head posture or their shoulders are forward. That's something that you can look for to know if they're swallowing abnormal or they kind of move forward or their tongue goes forward when they swallow. These are all things that you want to look for. Severe crowding of teeth or crossbite where the bottom teeth come out over the top teeth. That's not normal. So you can look for that if the lower front teeth come out or when they bite down their teeth are end to end, or even for kids, if their teeth are touching. So baby teeth should not be touching. If your kid's baby teeth look perfectly straight and there's no spaces in between them, that's probably a good sign that they're going to have sleep disordered breathing that they don't already. So I talked a little bit about it before, but irritability, a child with sleep disordered breathing is irritable because they're not getting good sleep at night and they're having difficulty concentrating in school. They might act out. They might be hyperactive, always busy. These are all signs that they're not getting enough sleep as well. Bad wetting, that's something that my daughter did and they kept telling me she would outgrow it. And she got to a point to where she didn't want to do sleepovers because she was embarrassed. And she definitely had some sleep disorder breathing. She had the dark circles. She had a lot of these signs and symptoms. And I'm a dental hygienist and I didn't even know this because this is not what we're taught. So there's increased urination production at night, which leads to bed wetting. So excessive daytime sleepiness, falling asleep during class, that's another sign of sleep disordered breathing and mouth breathing. Learning difficulties. Children with sleep disordered breathing are moody. They're disruptive. They have a hard time paying attention, both at home and at school. And that can be a contributing factor to ADHD or attention deficit disorders. And sleep disordered breathing and ADHD have very common symptoms. So they wanted me to put my daughter on medications for ADHD. And I said no. And that's when I started down this whole path of becoming a myofunctional therapist and learning about this. Behavioral problems, she definitely had them. People were judging me. She was having meltdowns, but I knew my child and I knew those meltdowns meant she was tired because she only acts that way when she's tired. And she has since she was a little kid. But again, it took me a long time to figure all this out. Many studies have shown that a large number of children diagnosed with ADHD are later found to have sleep disordered breathing disorders that cause them to exhibit these behavioral problems during the day due to the lack of sleep at night. And again, it took me a while to figure this out. And this is why I share this information because she would have gone on medication and still not had the root cause of the problem taken care of. So once we worked with the sleep disordered breathing, we figured that out. If she was still having issues, then I would have put her on medication, but she didn't. She got rid of a lot of those problems just by getting her to sleep better at night keeping her mouth closed, breathing through her nose. So children with sleep disorder breathing might not produce enough growth hormone resulting in slow growth and development. You can also have cardiovascular disease. If you have obstructive sleep apnea, it is associated with a high risk of high blood pressure, heart problems, lung problems, even kidney problems. Obesity is another thing that is related to sleep disorder breathing because it increases the resistance to insulin. You have daytime fatigue. You have decreased physical activity. And all of these factors contribute to the foods that you eat and what you crave then because you're not getting enough sleep, which then leads to obesity. So 
a lot of this stuff stems from how you're breathing and what's happening in your mouth. So again, I feel like it all starts with your mouth and how you breathe. You know that if you've been listening to me. So large tonsils and adenoids are often another cause that patients will breathe through their mouth because they can't breathe through their nose. There is a lack of air because of the swollen tonsils, the deviated septums, polyps, tonsils that are almost touching and they can't get the air in even if they're mouth breathing. And this creates a problem of not producing enough nitric oxide. And the nitric oxide actually helps dilate the blood vessels and allows a greater intake of oxygen absorption to the tissues, especially to the brain. So breathing through your mouth does not provide those same functions. And as a result, children, even adults have to work harder to breathe, receiving less oxygen. When you mouth breathe, you get 18% less oxygen. So think of what that does to your brain development and being able to think clearly particularly when you're trying to make decisions or reason. So what causes pediatric sleep disorder breathing? The common cause is a narrow airway, enlarged tonsils, enlarged adenoids. If you don't keep your tongue in the roof of your mouth as a child, the tongue actually helps expand the palate as a child. The longer you breastfeed, that helps expand the child. So when you're, you have a more vaulted palate where it's higher up versus uh, narrow, the roof of your mouth is the floor of your nasal sinus. So if your kids have crooked teeth or they always sleep with their mouth open, their mouth actually develops differently. And overweight children have an increased risk of sleep disorder breathing because the fat deposits around the neck also will narrow the airway. Children with abnormalities with their lower jaw or their tongue down, they have neuromuscular deficits. Kids with cerebral palsy, they're also at a higher risk for developing sleep disordered breathing. How is sleep apnea diagnosed? If you notice any symptoms described above, have your child checked by an ENT. They will check the ears, the nose, the throat, so they're specialists in that, or an otolaryngologist. Sometimes physicians will make the diagnosis and refer you to someone if they are suspecting sleep disordered breathing based on the history and their physical examination. In other cases, if children are suspected of having obstructive sleep apnea due to cranial facial syndromes or abnormalities, neuromuscular disorders, these children, if they're younger, than three years old, testing and having a sleep test might be recommended. But again, a lot of these things get undiagnosed or go under the radar because they don't notice those little apneas or this little stopping in sleeping. And that's what I found. They've said that kids are okay, but their tongue posture is not okay and they're not breathing. So making sure that you see someone that checks for these things is going to be important. A sleep net study is known as a PSG, a polysomnography. I don't think I said that right, but it is an objective test for sleep disorder breathing. Wires are attached to the head and body and they monitor the brain waves, the muscle tension, the eye movement for breathing, the oxygen levels in the blood. This test is not Painful, and it's generally performed in a lab or in the hospital. There are sleep tests that you can have at home. Some of these sleep tests occasionally produce inaccurate results, especially in children that are borderline. And normal sleep test results may still result in a diagnosis of sleep disorder breathing based on the parent's observation and the clinical observation. So it's really important that you look at your kids at home and even record them before you go to a sleep study if you see that these things are happening. So could your child have obstructive sleep apnea? 10% of children children that snore regularly, about two or four of them do have pediatric sleep apnea. So recent studies indicate that mild sleep disordered breathing and snoring may cause the same symptoms or problems as obstructive sleep apnea in children. So again, sometimes this is really hard to diagnose and the most obvious symptoms are breathing loud or snoring at night. Snoring that's interrupted, they stop breathing or they they toss and turn to wake up because again, your body is 
overcompensating and that's why they're tossing and turning. If they're gasping, if they're snorting, anything that wakes them up. So due to lack of good sleep, children with sleep disordered breathing might be irritable during the day, at night, have difficulty concentrating, not wanting to go to sleep at night, finding it hard to go to sleep, hard to wake up in the morning, if they're busy, if they're hyperactive, bedwetting frequently. These are all signs that children might be having some sleep disordered breathing. Potential consequences of untreated pediatric sleep disordered breathing. So there could be social consequences because of loud snoring and not wanting to go to sleepovers. There could be behavioral or learning. There could be aneurysis, which is nighttime urination. There could be problems with growth and development. So we talk a little bit about that. So these are all things that you want your child to not have and you want to look at. So symptoms of ADHD are hyperactivity, difficulty focusing, easily distracted, um, not doing well with schoolwork, sometimes aggressive behavior, grouchy. And I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I had all of those symptoms and I was definitely overtired. And heck, I still am as an adult. So if a child is never able to get a good night's sleep and they can't breathe properly, think about what's happening when they're they're having behavioral disorders. I would throw myself on the floor and I do remember remember being really tired and not knowing what that was back then. And I had my tonsils out when I was 16, but I still had mouth breathing and sleep disordered breathing. And again, I didn't even know why. Now I do now that I'm older and I look back and I see what I had as a child. So I'm definitely not suggesting that all kids with ADHD or any of those things are not suffering from ADHD, but they could be suffering from sleep apnea. That's just what the case was with my daughter. And many studies are actually finding out that a lot of these kids are being misdiagnosed. In 2004, one of the studies that was done indicated that 50% of children with ADHD showed evidence of sleep disordered breathing. And there was a study done of over 11,000 children with sleep disordered breathing, and they showed the same symptoms as ADHD. And so I find that amazing. And that's why I talk about that. So it doesn't cost a lot. It doesn't cost anything to look at how your child is breathing before you put them on medications for ADHD. So it's just really important. I really think it's something that we need to talk about and bring more awareness to what's happening in there. Um, if a child cannot breathe through their nose effectively, they're not getting the oxygen that they need. And sometimes just having a tonsillectomy or an adenoidectomy, bringing their tonsils or adenoids out, that will help. Sometimes the adenoids grow back. And so I just think that this would be your first line of treatment if you suspect your child has sleep disordered breathing, seeing an ENT and seeing if they're enlarged. Sometimes if you suspect that, you can use drops um, with xylitol in them to help reduce the inflammation. It's called clear. There's a little elephant on the box. You can put two drops in their nose before bed if they have allergies. Sometimes even during allergy season, this helps them breathe better and it reduces the inflammation. So that's an easy way to check at home just by putting a couple of drops in your child's nose before bed or even during the day to see if this is a problem for them. And again, not every child that snores needs to undergo a tonsil or adenoid procedure, especially if it's mild. And if they're having academic performance problems or behavioral issues and their tonsils are small or they're near puberty, sometimes they'll just shrink on their own. So it's not recommended that you take them out. You just watch the child and observe them before you treat it surgically. But again, if the symptoms worsen, then absolutely 
removing the tonsils or adenoids might help. It usually results in an 80 to 90% cure rate of sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea in children. And, you know, a number of these will just shrink down. So kids uh, that have a CPAP machine might be something that you can try too. Again, you want to make sure that they can breathe through their nose and that their mouth is not their primary way of breathing before you give them a CPAP machine. A CPAP machine is constant pressure forcing air up the nose. But if they're still mouth breathing, they're still going to struggle with waking up. There's been evidence that shows that a CPAP machine will help increase the metabolism. It will help treat obesity and will help them sleep better. But studies have also shown that children with persistent sleep apnea after the tonsils and adenoids removed, they did much better. But also with me, it went unnoticed that even though I had my tonsils and adenoids removed, nobody noticed that I was still having issues sleeping. So that there's that as well. So post-operative um, sleep study or myofunctional therapy might be necessary if children are presenting with these symptoms or they have craniofacial abnormalities or neuromuscular problems or obesity. So these are all things that we just really want to start looking at in our children. Additional treatments are losing weight, the CPAP, non-surgical ways of looking at this. And, you know, what questions should you be asking your doctor? So one of the questions are, do tonsils and adenoids shrink at puberty? What age is your child? Should my child have them removed? Often sleep disorder breathing gets missed. So you might want to ask, is a sleep study required in order to make a proper diagnosis? And then after your tonsils and adenoids are removed, should your child see a myofunctional therapist to help retrain the brain to breathe through the nose and restore proper function? I'm going to say yes, but that's what I do. And I've lived it with my family, not only myself and my daughter, but my niece. My sister has some issues and my mom actually has sleep apnea where she stops for minutes breathing. And again, maybe things would have changed if this had been noticed when she was younger. So she also has all the symptoms. So if your child has any of these symptoms, they might be a candidate for an anterior tonsil removal. They might be a candidate for myofunctional therapy. I definitely recommend seeing an ENT, seeing an airway orthodontic specialist, and do they need palatal expansion? The sooner you do palatal expansion, you can use their growth and development. By the time they're eight years old, 80% of their growth and development has happened. So it's going to be harder to widen that airway. So finding these things early are going to be best. And again, when we know better, we do better. When we have awareness, we know what to look for. We can help our children breathe better, get more oxygen, get more sleep and live healthier, happier lives. And so they don't grow up need being an adult that needs a CPAP machine or have sleep disordered breathing or need an MMA surgery where they have to expand the jaw in order for them to breathe. So the sooner we spot these signs, the better we can use a child's growth and development to expand their path expand their airway, avoid expensive or invasive procedures. As a child who threw tantrums, it's really good that you notice if your child is getting a good night's sleep for a long period of time. I've lived this with myself, with my child. So I know what it feels like to be angry and not know why you're out of control and why your anger is out of control. And it's because you're tired. Now as an adult, I know when I feel this way, then I'm not getting enough sleep. I take my mouth shut at night. I've talked a little bit about that. There's special tape for that. I don't recommend doing that unless you know you can breathe through your nose, but it has helped me. I sleep for six hours now. I don't wake up with a stuffy nose. I don't wake up with headaches. I don't wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And those were all huge for me. Before, 
before I knew about all of this. I thought something was wrong with me. I felt like people were judging me and feeling that I was a bad parent with my daughter because she was overtired. And if I corrected her in public, it would just make it worse. And so I just learned to just let people judge me because they didn't know what we were dealing with at home and at night and how she wasn't sleeping and what was causing some of these outbursts that she was having. And it's still embarrassing. You still feel like people are looking at you and judging you and think that you should handle things differently. But you know, it's not something that I talked about because it's not something that was generally out there. And when these people were judging me, I wasn't going to explain to him that she was having a sleep disorder breathing issue. So that's why I think if there's more awareness, maybe people will understand a little bit about what you're going through. And I'd, I'd love to be able to approach some parents when I see them out and I see what's going on. But I did that once and I don't do that anymore. I totally offended a mom by telling her that's what I saw. So I think that I probably need to learn how to approach that a little bit better. If you've never heard about this, then you're definitely going to say, well, you're telling me something is wrong with my child. That wasn't what I was trying to do. I was just saying, hey, this is what I do. This is what I see. Do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about that? And she just kind of was offended by the fact that I even brought this up. So if we get this information out there, if we share this information together, we can make a difference. We can have discussions about what we're seeing. We can get evaluations with ENTs and myofunctional therapists. It's free. And it's something that I definitely recommend you doing. I have free consultations. I know that other myofunctional therapists have free consultations. Some charge $99. You can see if your child is breathing, if you can keep them, get their lips to be closed and time them and see, can they breathe through their nose for three minutes? Then it's something that you can retrain your brain to do. If you see your child with your mouth open, just sitting with their mouth open, just go over and close their mouth. If you see their tongue is low. Start working with them to put their tongue in the roof of their mouth. So the things that you can do to help our kids. Our kids need help. They're suffering in silence. They don't know why they're suffering. They don't know why they're angry and wound up. I didn't. So we can be the change if we work together, if we look at this stuff, if we share this information. That's all I want. I want to make a difference. I want our kids to breathe easier. I want us to start looking at these things sooner. I want you to know that there are things that you can do. I didn't put my daughter in braces till she was six. I know there are the things that I could could have done when she was three or four because I noticed how tight her teeth were together. And again, I didn't even know as a dental hygienist, this is something that I should be looking for. And if there were interventions that I could do when she was young. So look at the stuff, get it checked out, ask questions, contact me. I'm here to help you. And if this was helpful, as always, please share. Thanks for listening. And a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a happy, healthy life. And it all starts with your mouth. Your mouth is a warning sign. Your nose is a warning sign. We are meant to breathe through our nose. We're lucky that we can breathe through our mouth, but that should not be our number one way of breathing. Have a great day and thanks for listening. Till next time. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.